Are we live? Yeah, I think we are. So hello, everyone. We yeah, we are finally live. We have scheduled uh, this uh, this meeting, this event, I think more than a month ago. So we have been all waiting for it. Hi, everyone. My name is Olga. This is Jason. Jason, how are you doing? I'm absolutely fine. As soon as it goes live on StreamYard, I always want to say hello, everybody, and welcome, and then sing a quick hello, and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Olga I love it. I, I would sing if I could, but yeah, I, I don't think I am I am talented in any way in this respect, so I won't even try. <laughs> but you're a great runner. Yeah, yeah, that's great, like, compared to myself. I'm not that great if I compare myself to like some more serious runners, but but yeah, this year I'm planning on focusing on running more and seeing how far, how fast I can I can go. Right. So, and so far, you've been to Kenya and you've run five hundred thousand kilometers already. No, uh, in my entire running career, I think I run about fifty k. That's that's yeah. more or less what I have run, but it is like fifteen years. In Kenya, I was able to run only like 220 kilometers, something of that oh, sort. <laughs> yeah, but Kenya is 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 a, is, a, is at a high altitude, like 2,500 uh, meters above the sea level. So this is running is different there, and there are a lot of rolling hills, so it is even more difficult. But yeah, I am fresh when it comes to my mind and my body, fresh because like. I've been I've been there almost three weeks. That's why I had I haven't had any any live live uh, live events, any newsletters, but I am catching up right now. And where are you, Jason? <laughs> oh, I'm in Oxford University Library. Um, oh. This is the library, and I've been when I come to Oxford, I study here and I work here, and it makes me feel intelligent. Uh, because you you are, and this is like the perfect place to be when it comes to like having a Q and A sessions, having like a live event. I cannot imagine a better one. It is, yeah. I mean, it's an absolute honor to be allowed to use the libraries. And um, as I was saying to you earlier, having always been an anti-Oxford University snob in some ways, I now realize that there is something special here. Um, and I definitely, definitely work better and I feel smarter. Might not be true, but I feel smarter. <laughs> That's awesome. So everyone, uh, this is the event uh, during which you can ask questions uh, for Jason Barnard. Uh, if you are a noob, that's the event for you. You can ask any questions. There are no stupid questions. You can ask uh, anything. If you don't ask Jason anything, I will, I will simply use that time for me because I have a ton <laughs> of questions for Jason. And, oh, right. and yeah. Ooh, first, first, first question is what is a knowledge panel? And a knowledge panel is the information box on the right-hand side of a Google result when you search for a person or a company's name or a book or a film. And they are built from Google's understanding of knowledge. So it's basically built upon uh, Google's equivalent of Wikipedia. Wikipedia contains 50 million articles. Google's knowledge graph contains 1,500 billion facts. Wow. So it's a hugely massive encyclopedia that's machine readable, and Google uses it to build the knowledge panels. Okay, so how uh, this is going to be a new question. How, how, how does Google take that information? Is 
does AI write this information into knowledge panel? Um, this is AI written, learning, I think. It uses machine learning to understand the world. It uses a basic understanding of the entity, the person, the company, the music, album, the film. It, it has a basic understanding of who they are. And then it gathers information that it feels is factually correct from around the web and populates the knowledge panel with that information from around the web. But it's all machine learning now. Okay, okay. And another very often question. What's the difference between a knowledge graph and a knowledge panel? I had, had right. to ask this one. The knowledge graph is, or any knowledge graph is a collection of information uh, factual information about entities and relationships between them and also attributes of those entities. It sounds complicated, but an entity is simply a person, a company, a place, a road, a book, a film, a thing that we can identify. The relationships between those entities is I am Jason Barnard. I am the CEO and founder of CaliCube. CaliCube is an entity. Jason Barnard is an entity. Founder and CEO is the relationship between the two others. Uh, I'm Jason Barnard. I'm five foot ten. That's an attribute. Five foot ten. I'm 56 years old, an attribute. So a knowledge graph is simply a collection of information that Google, in this case, that Google understands to be factually correct. Entities, attributes about those entities and relationships between them. Uh, and if you look at uh, Wikipedia, when you click on the links between the different articles, that's a relationship between them. Okay, okay. So okay. you can look at it that way and just look at Wikipedia and think, well, that's like a knowledge graph. It's not quite a knowledge graph, but that's the idea. And Google has that, but it's literally hundreds of thousands of times bigger. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a very nice explanation. Thank you. Thank you. So I will ask another question. Uh, how do I generate a knowledge panel? Another very often asked question. How do I get a knowledge panel? <laughs> oh, right. I forgot to ask, answer the second part of the first question, which is the difference between knowledge graph and knowledge panel. A knowledge panel is a representation of Google's understanding of the entity, really, uh -huh. really simply put. So Google's representation of what it believes to be fact about Jason Barnard, the entity, or CaliCube, the entity, or Olgazar, the entity. Um, and then the, the question of how do you get a knowledge panel, a lot of people think they come from Wikipedia. But if you think about what I just said, the knowledge graph is hundreds of thousands of times bigger. So not all knowledge panels come from mm -hmm. Wikipedia. In fact, the majority of knowledge panels don't come from Wikipedia. Oh. Are you just saying hi to yourself there? Yeah, I, I think I was saying hi to, to, to people who to, to people who, who said hi <laughs> to myself as well, to you. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, so to get a knowledge panel, all you need to do is make sure that Google understands who you are, what you do, and potentially which audience you serve. Um, the idea that you need to be notable to get a knowledge panel is a mistaken idea. Google okay. just wants to understand. So if I can educate Google, if I can convince Google about the facts about myself, I can have a knowledge panel purely by being understood by Google. Then the question is, does Google show the knowledge panel? Then you can start talking about notability. Okay, okay. 
And uh, let's say, um, do I need to know schema? Do I need to put schema on my site to get a knowledge panel or can I go without schema? You can use schema and it's a good idea to use schema because schema is a way to represent the information that you're communicating to Google in a format that it can natively understand. So we could call it Google's native language. So you would want to use schema if you can. And if you look at schema markup, it's actually entities with relationships and yeah. attributes. So it's exactly the same as a knowledge graph. You can build your own internal knowledge graph using schema markup. And that's what tools like WordLift do, is uh -huh. they take your website and they will build an internal knowledge graph of your website using schema markup. Okay. And if I don't know schema too much, can I rely on uh, tools like, for example, RankMath or other plugins that can that they can do it for me? Because Jason has been helping me with my name change and he's officially, officially, officially helping me like get the knowledge panel for my new name. And uh, this is maybe a little bit, uh, I would say, shameful, but I have never checked schema on my own website. I just put some fields here and there in the theme, in rank math, and I never actually checked that if this is correct, if this is like, like too many like entity, too many entities or some, some duplication. And the first thing, Jason noticed is that there is a huge mess regarding schema on my site and he, he helped me clean this up. So how, how much can I rely on, on such tools if I don't know schema too much? Um, I like tools like Rank Math and Yoast and WordLift and Schema App and InLinks, all of which generate schema markup. One of the problems I see a great deal of is multiple plugins generating their own little chunk of schema markup. And then you end up with multiple pieces of schema markup all in the same page that potentially contradict each other, um, certainly overload and fragment the information. Yeah. So you end up with lots of fragmented little bits. And what then happens is Google goes in, the machine sees these different bits. It can't put them all together because they're contradictory, fragmented, not necessarily being very clear. If you're going to use Google's native language, breaking it up into little chunks just makes it really complicated. The idea mm. of the schema is it's one chunk that just says everything that's in the page. So okay. the problem with these pro plugins isn't so much what they generate, but the fact that people install multiple plugins that then contradict and fragment the information. Yeah, and so the other problem is schema bloat which is uh -huh. too much schema. And okay. you're better off going with simple schema that, that explains simple things and then building up little by little than having too much schema and thinking, well, if I just throw as much schema as I possibly can at Google, it will understand. It doesn't. Once, once it gets to the limit where I think it says, this is too confusing, there's too much, it just ignores it. So you might okay. as well not have put any. Yeah, and I think there is even like manual penalty for schema manipulation or like schema yeah. spamming if if you if you yeah, like I'm, overdo. Yeah, sure. I mean I've I've never been um, in that situation. I'm, I tend to be very careful and I build little by little. And what we do with CaliCube Pro, which is a SaaS platform for agencies to manage your entity in Google 
it, what I would call it Google's brain, including schema markup, but also corroboration. And we're about to come to that question. Um, we, we start off with what we know Google is looking for, and then we build it up little by little. And we build it up as we are sure about the information. And if you think about schema, and this is crucial, when you add schema to your web page, you are explicitly saying to Google, I have checked this information and it is correct. And I am providing it to you specifically in your native language because it's very important and I'm absolutely sure that it's true. So if you just click on a button in Rank Math Yoast, WordLift, Schema app, whichever application you're using to do this, and you don't check it, you're throwing a real curveball at Google. So you really need to check what it is you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So in the case of my site, the thing was that I had like some schema generated by the theme and I had schema generated by rank math. And when I do an SEO audit, of course, I always check that for my clients. <laughs> but like somehow I forgot to check it for myself. So, yeah. And, aren't is... we all the same though, Olga? We, we, we work so hard for our clients and we pay attention. We tell them off when they, when they don't do what we ask. And, yeah. and then we look at our own sites and we go, oh dear, and... I didn't actually pay attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I think we have a question. Uh, what do you do to get Google to understand you? Like, yeah, this is a very good question. Yeah, well, I was actually reading the quality rater guidelines earlier on and looking at how it's changed. Um, and one of the things they, they talk about is the idea of first party, second party, and third party corroborative sources. They don't uh -huh. put it quite like this. This is how we explain it at CaliCube. First party is my own sites. Second party is sites that I control the information on, but I do not own. For example, Twitter, my Twitter profile or my LinkedIn profile. And third party sites are those that I don't control, which would be Forbes, it would be The Guardian, it would be Crunchbase is technically a third party site. And in order to get Google to understand you, you need to provide your version on a first party site, your own, which we call the entity home. You then need to get corroborative information on second party sites that you partially control, it needs to say the same thing. When I say corroboration, I mean it needs to say the same facts in the same format uh, produced and reflected in the same way. And then in the quality rate of guidelines, they say, then you need third party. Without okay. third party corroboration, we do not believe. Obviously, that's the quality raters. It's not the knowledge graph. Yeah, but yeah the quality raters are training the knowledge graph. So the quality raters are paid to point the finger at the knowledge graph when it gets it wrong, when it gets it right. So you have corrective information, corrective data going in, and also um, uh, confirmatory data, whatever that would be called. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the machine is learning from what the quality raters are pushing into it. So what Google are telling the quality raters doesn't affect any individual entity or any individual result, but it does affect the way the machine moves forwards and learns. So you need first, second, third party corroborative sources that all say the same thing. And then you need to join the dots for Google. So you take your entity home, which is the first party corroborative source, and you link to all the second party and third party sources that say the same thing. 
And hopefully they then link back to the entity home. Uh -huh. That creates an infinite cycle of self-corroboration. Google loves it. That's how Google learns. And you were talking about not knowing schema. If you know schema, you use same as or subject of to point to all these different sources. If you don't know schema, you don't want to use schema. You just link to them using a normal hyperlink. And then you link back. It's exactly okay. the same. The only difference is with schema, you would expect, or we have known, or we have seen rather, at CaliCube that the results are slightly faster. Okay, okay. That's, that's, that's yeah, thanks for explaining. Oh, there's, a, there's a free schema markup generator for people and for companies on the CaliCube.pro website. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I will put that in the, in the description. It's free. Yeah, sure. And so when I when I was starting collaboration with Jason regarding my name change, uh, I got the the list of things I need to kind of take care of, and I think this was a huge time saver for me because like uh, CaliCube team just provided me with the things I need to update, the things I need to maybe uh, if if I have the capacity to change, I want to change, and I I know I'm a little bit behind some of the things because of the vacation, but I'm going to start working on that hopefully tomorrow. Brilliant. But let's say we started working on my knowledge panel about about a month ago, I think. And still, when I type my new name, I don't see knowledge panel. When can I expect this to happen? That's a great question. And I've been pondering this question and thinking about it and working on it for the last 10 years. I've generated well over a 1,000 knowledge panels. Wow. And every change, triggering a knowledge panel, updating a knowledge panel, enriching a knowledge panel, when you do it algorithmically, which is by this system of entity home plus corroboration plus infinite loop of self-corroboration, expect iterations of three months. Okay. That's not a fixed rule. Obviously, these yeah, are algorithms. Sure. Things can be different. Sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's four months. Sometimes it's five months. But if you work, go into this with the expectation that if I do my work properly, if I make all the corroboration match, I can expect a three-month iteration each time I try to change something. Okay, okay. So we will do live in two months and we'll see <laughs> where and I'm at. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, hi, Picasso. We have another question. What is your approach to create content for the next six months? Oh, I like that question because this is, this is something we're working on very, very hard at CaliCube. Um, one of which is we work a lot on Koray Gubur's advice. Uh, I absolutely love Koray. He's super intelligent and he really knows what he's talking about. And if you're going to listen to one person uh, in this space today, I would listen to him uh, and about you. How, how to write content. Yeah. But for writing content, yeah. I now listen to Koray. And mm -hmm. he, he provided a list of 40 things that we need to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of content creation and web page uh, creation. And I narrowed it down to 17 that I feel are really, really important. Oh. Can you I name can't remember some? what the 17 are off the top of my head. Um, but one of them is uh, micro-semantics, which is speaking about the very kind of detailed things around a particular topic. Um, that's going to be the huge difference between AI generated text and human generated text because okay. AI doesn't do that. So our human input there is going to be incredibly important. Uh, the way we phrase things is incredibly important. 
Um, we need to remember that as human beings, we aren't perfect and we do vary, but we have a style. If you uh -huh. look at ChatGPT, which is probably the, the basis of that question, is it's boring. Yeah, it's kind incomplete of. and it's incredibly standardized and it repeats itself incessantly. So yeah, from I've that perspective, it's, it's great for throwing up ideas, as it were, but it's very bad in terms of personality, in terms of bringing new information to the table. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and indeed, microsemantics, creating a context cloud, having a style. And Google is now starting to recognize style. And we're going to do an experiment soon by releasing articles by other people at CaliCube and see oh. if mine naturally rank better than theirs. Not because theirs are less well written, but because they have less EEAT, which yeah, is a, okay. another huge question. Sorry. Yeah, I ju just wanted to say that, like, all of the articles on my website, except for one, has have been written by me. And I, I wrote one, uh, the last one with ChatGPT. I wrote it about a month ago. And I'm like wondering what happens, but I see that it is already starting to rank for, for because it, the article is, is about what is an SEO audit, very long one. And it's uh, the last time I checked, it was like on page, I think, four or five so at least with this one google doesn't seem to to kind of see the difference that this one wasn't written by me but of course this mm. is like no no real experiment i just created an article and i, I think yeah. I, I think it, there are a couple of really important things one of which is a machine will write in a way that another machine will understand therefore yeah. you immediately have an advantage but Google's moving towards the idea of saying, well, we're going to promote the idea of individuals with, yeah. and that's why they say experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And so it's going to be another of these kind of cat and mouse games where Google's going to be training the machine to spot this stuff. Yeah. And one thing John Muller mentioned to me a few years ago is why did so much link spam get through for so long? Yeah. And Part of the explanation is if they don't let the spam through, they can't teach the machine what spam looks like. Yeah. If they let the spam through, they train the machine to see what it looks like, and then it can catch new spam it's never seen before using machine learning. Yeah. So they need the spam that we're throwing at them in order to train the machine <laughs> to then throw it out. Yeah. So people so are now spamming, and they'll probably win for Chad a few. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like crazy. It'll probably be a good trick to play for maybe a year but oh that's the other thing is with link spam it was still manually written algorithms machine learning yeah. is a completely different game they can let a bit of spam in and they can then train the machine to learn to spot spam and it will get better and better and better at an accelerating rate yeah and i think this is like a similar question let's predict future considering chat gpt <laughs> Are we going to be like uh, out of <laughs> our jobs soon and SEOs or what do you think? Or will we be simply have to ha get a new skill at um, using uh, ChatGPT, like using the prompts, like knowing how to operate ChatGPT? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think sensible SEOs will use ChatGPT to generate an initial draft. And what I found is that I look at the initial draft and I think that's really good. Wow, yeah. brilliant. 
And then I start rewriting it. And I think, well, it's missed this point and it's misunderstood that, that, that part. This part doesn't read in a very friendly manner. And I end up rewriting the entire thing. So yeah. it makes my process faster, puts me at a level higher than I would otherwise have been because it's much easier to look at something and say, well, that's rubbish and rewrite it yeah. than it is to write it in the first place. So I think what it's doing is putting me at level one and then I can push it up to level three rather than me coming in straight and doing level two. So my writing and my production is better and it's faster. And that's how you should use chat GPT in my opinion. Um, and if you do use it for generating text, I think you can, and publish it as is, you can expect to be caught out in the relatively near future. And that exponential improvement of machine learning means that you won't have the huge time frame we had with link spam, which was years and years and years and years yeah. and years. This isn't going to be that long. It's going to be much quicker. So be careful is my only piece of advice. The other thing that Google are doing, which uh, Corey talks about, is measuring momentum. Uh-huh. So if you're publishing once every week and then all of a sudden you find ChatGPT and you publish 50 articles in a week, the yeah. momentum is changed. Kind of out of, And then yeah. you put yourself in a situation where you need to publish 50 articles every single week. So you put yourself <laughs> in a situation that you need to maintain that momentum because as soon as the momentum is lost, Corey's done an experiment with this, the rankings drop. Oh. And the other point is that Google are now talking about site-wide signals for this kind of thing, for EEAT, notably, and also author-wide signals for EEAT, but also for the content itself. So you can't now just rely on one article ranking. You need to look at the entire work, um, the yeah. entire body of work, if you want to talk about it in a kind of authorship manner. What is your body of work? That body of work can be on your website, it can be elsewhere. But Google's now looking at me, Jason Barnard, and my entire body of work, wherever it might be hosted. And that's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, what do you think are some other applications of ChatGPT for SEOs in addition to generating ideas, which I think it is really, really a great tool for that. And maybe yeah. writing some like emails, some small pieces of text, tweets. What do you think else can we SEOs do with that? What about writing schema with ChatGPT? Yeah, it, it, with, with structured stuff like schema, it does a very, very, very good job. Um, and at CaliCube, with WordLift, in fact, we're working in partnership with WordLift on a lot of different um, topics. But one of them is trying to figure out how we can get it to write factual descriptions of entities. We need entity descriptions because that's part of the way you're going to uh -huh. get the knowledge panel. Uh, people underestimate the value and the importance of the description you give to Google, the word description, rather than just the schema markup. How do I describe myself? Jason Barnard is the founder and CEO of CaliCube. is an incredibly clear statement that I need to include in my description. But if you use ChatGPT and say, who is Jason Barnard? Write a description. Or who is even Bill Gates, who it knows about? It will just make lots of stuff up. Yeah. And if yeah, you yeah. limit it and you, you say, OK, right, it, you can put a scale from 1 to 10 of no risk to lots of risk. If you put it at lots of risk, it will start saying, at one point it was saying, Jason Barnard has founded several multi-million pound oh. companies, which is not true. Uh, he works with Gary Ilyash at Google, which is oh. not true. 
Okay. And it just makes stuff up. I was quite fun. And then if you put it at one, it doesn't have very much to say at all because it's yeah. very limited in the facts that it has. So what we're going to do with WordLift is train a machine learning model, a GPT-3 model, not ChatGPT, but GPT-3, and train it to write entity descriptions. Wow, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome, really awesome. Well, that, and, and it's going to be part of the CaliCube Pro SaaS platform offering. Uh -huh. CaliCube Pro is a SaaS platform for agencies, and we want to get agencies on board to actually go through the process we described to Alicia earlier on about how to get a knowledge panel, because it's actually very simple in the, 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 the process. The CaliCube process for a knowledge panel is incredibly simple. The application of it requires um, perseverance, accuracy, and attention to detail. Yeah, I think like a few years ago, it was like almost, from what I remember, like five years ago or so, it was almost impossible to get a knowledge panel for, for a normal person, from what I remember. And I remember reading the article on, I think, Search Engine Journal when you wrote exactly how to get a knowledge panel, how to generate a knowledge panel. There was such, such an article somewhere written by you. And I think I yeah. followed some of those steps initially. And this was in, and after, I don't know, two years later, you noticed that I have a sprout. So <laughs> it is all thanks to you. But yeah, but I didn't uh, do much with it. So... Only thanks to you, the knowledge panel I, I had with my previous name was kind of looking, started to look okay because you told me that I should like change the, because I had the description of, of me on some website from which it was pulling the data and I didn't put my surname. It was just saying Olga is blah, blah, blah. And yeah. when I added my surname, it was like taken to the knowledge panel like the, the next day or something like that. So... Yeah, and tiny I, I details, kind of, but yeah, yeah, it's lots of tiny details and thinking about the context of where the content is, what Google's going to do with it, does it understand it, making sure your surname is there, and with the the, the rebranding, as it were, with changing your name, it really is a question of going around and changing it absolutely everywhere, change it <laughs> everywhere, do it all at the same time. What we've seen is if you spend three months changing all this information, uh -huh. you're going to wait a year for Google to update something. Oh. But if you do it all within a couple of days, it will go around the whole web, it will recrawl everything, it will say, well, actually, it's all confirmed all at the same time, so you're not creating confusion. Okay. And it will tend to change much more quickly, which is why CaliCube Pro is so powerful, is that we give you the list yeah. in 10 minutes. And it takes you an afternoon. If you sit down for an afternoon, you can change every reference to you on the web. Yeah, okay. And then you change it all at the same time. Google will, will then flip its switch and move to the next step. And then you can potentially do it in two to three weeks rather than the three months or the six months that I was oh, talking yeah. about earlier. Um, not always. Once again, you can't actually give a time frame because you don't know how long it takes Google to crawl, to digest, and then to understand and be confident in that understanding. So it's a multi-step process, and we should never forget that. Okay. Okay. So thanks. So here we have another question. Do you have advice for how to reclaim or com com complete compete uh, complete for a for a knowledge panel? Ooh, that's a great question. Example: yeah. a music artist has a new album that is the same name as your website. Yeah. Ambiguity is a huge problem, but it's a huge problem for human beings as well. So it's not just Google who has a problem with ambiguity. Uh, multiple people with the same name is a problem. Calling your company Yellow Door is a problem. 
because mm-hmm. Yellow Door is a yellow door. It's also a cafe. <laughs> it's also a jewelry shop and a flower shop and heaven knows what other things it is. Um, and that ambiguity creates an enormous problem. If we take the example of a music artist and the website or the company or the brand, you need to make sure that Google understands your website. Then you need to make sure it understands the difference between your website and the music album. So you educate, number one, then you disambiguate, then you dominate. So it's a really simple three-step process in this exact case. You educate, you disambiguate, then you dominate, then you'll get your knowledge panel on the brand SERP when somebody searches your company name or your website name. Okay, okay. Thanks for explaining. So maybe now it's time for you to tell us more about the course you have. Right. Really quickly before that, I'm just going to share my screen really quickly because oh, I was talking do. to a friend from uh, Ukraine who mentioned please this to do. me and I really wanted to shine it, share it. Can you see my screen? Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, now... Ukraine Drone School, uadroneschool.com. Um, please, please, please go and donate. They've got a Patreon system and they're training Ukrainian um soldiers to use drones and that's obviously okay. hugely important yeah. uh, i signed up i'm a patron of them now um, please go along uadroneschool.com hugely hugely valuable bunch of people helping ukraine in the war against russia um, and yeah. then the course unless you want to mention something say something to add to that Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, like, yes, please, please, uh, you, please uh, donate to that to that cause. I'm also going to share that on my on my other channels. So, yeah, I'm all supporting that. Yeah, no, it's absolutely huge. Uh, it's a guy called Eugene, who's uh, the the business lawyer that we work with at Cali Cube, who's in Kiev right now, and um, he he's the person who tells me who to donate to. He told me to donate to Good Bread who are uh-huh. um, making bread in Ukraine um, day in, day out. And we just, well, we, the people who contributed to help them, they just bought a generator so they can continue to make bread even with the okay. electricity um, outages. And the next one is drone school. So back to the topic, the CaliCube managing and triggering or triggering and managing knowledge panels. Here's the course. We're releasing it next week, Katrina is boss of releasing this and we've got gazillions of lessons oh. i can't remember how many now 21 lessons 21 uh, it's over five hours of video mm-hmm. we're just finishing it up now and you can do everything from educating google to getting a knowledge panel in three steps your entity home lots of advice about that how to write the entity description one thing don't use chat gpt because it will oh. make it all up Um, I mean, you can use it to structure it, definitely, but you need to write it properly. You need to make sure it's factually correct or you're creating a huge problem. And that's important is if you provide factual information to Google, you educate it and you convince it that that information is true and it turns out not to be true, mm-hmm. you're in huge difficulty. Oh, Trying to re-educate Google once it's understood a fact is really 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 difficult so when you do this 
do it right first time. Okay. So I've made the mistake. I communicated something that then information that then changed. Uh, long, long story, and I won't go into the details, but it has taken me two years to correct one piece of information. Oh. But it should only have taken me three months. And the reason it's taken me two years is simply because Google was so convinced by the initial piece of information that when I said, actually, that's not true, it's something else, it completely freaked out. And now oh. it won't believe me anymore. So be really, 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 really careful. When you, it, it, it really is one shot. You have okay. one shot, get it right. When you get it right, you're set for life. But if you get it wrong, you've created a huge problem that's going to take up a lot of your time, a lot of resources, and it's really painful and damaging, in fact, to your online brand. I mean, a knowledge panel represents Google's stamp of approval on your topical authority, your authority as your company. Um, so kind of from Google's perspective, sorry, Google's perspective, it's saying, here is a company or here is a person I've understood who they are and they are an authority because they have dominated this. And if, okay. if you want to have that stamp of approval from Google when somebody Googles your brand name and indeed have that stamp of authority for Google's algorithms because it's looking at that for EEAT, you need to have a knowledge panel and if you get it wrong, as I said, you're creating a huge problem. And the problem goes way beyond just the knowledge panel. It goes into every algorithm Google has. Um, so yeah. as we go through here, we can join the dots the non-geeky way. So that's just using links. Then you can do it with schema markup the geeky way. Uh, I explain how the knowledge graph works. The six different verticals in the knowledge graph, which is hugely interesting. Because if you want a knowledge panel, you need to aim at the right knowledge graph vertical. Mm -hmm. And if you know which vertical to aim at, you can almost certainly get a knowledge panel in two or three months. How to claim it and when you shouldn't, how to change information, uh, how it builds the knowledge panel, this one here, the three Google knowledge algorithms, that's hugely interesting. Wow. Um, um, how it extracts data for the knowledge panel and the knowledge graph how to get into Google's Knowledge Vault, which is the main knowledge graph. Um, there you go. This is the one for Alicia from earlier on, how to get it to trigger. That's dominant, be becoming the dominant entity. So if you want to trigger, you need to become the dominant entity, and that's hugely important. Okay. Uh, you and can how does people each... Oh, yeah. I just wanted, to, just wanted to ask, how does each lesson look like? So there is a video, some, uh, I don't know, some exercises, if you can share something. There oh, you go. I you like it. hear that. So that's me talking away with, oh, hang on, I'll, I'll show you a different one because we're, we're actually doing the slides for that one right now. If I go back here and we go to this one here, let's try that one. There you go. Okay. There you go. It's got lots of slides. Okay. So it's got visual help uh, nice. alongside me talking with screenshots uh, that are incredibly clear. And that's uh, Marianne, Alicia, and Faith who've been doing the slides. They're absolutely off. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Nice. Some delightful little tricks like that. We're, we're having fun with it. Uh, we show you what you learn. Okay. We've got a description. And then Jean-Marie 
who manages the content on the CaliCube website and finds resources, has added additional resources, um, both from CaliCube but also from other sources uh -huh. so that you can learn more. Uh, and we're putting online some quizzes as well in the next week or so. Um, so it's a huge course. I mean, I wrote the course. Uh -huh. And when I was writing it, I was trying to figure out what I, what I knew, what I thought I knew. And sometimes I sat and I thought, well, I think I know that, but I'm not sure. So I researched it and I ended up creating about 30% of the course are things that I didn't know beforehand. Yeah. That I learned while I was making it, which is really, really cool. I would buy the course from myself, even though I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. To, to be honest, I'm like in a similar situation because like I started creating the course for an SEO audit. I planned on launching it, I think initially October, November, but when I started planning it, planning the lessons, I, I realized that I have to update my knowledge on that. I have to yes. add this. I have to learn that. And I think now, realistically, the course will be around April or May, and I will be so much wiser when it <laughs> launches. <laughs> okay, but regarding but, your course, how do I get it? Where do no, what sorry, do I, I need I, to do? I was do? just going to add to that is it, it, it's astonishing. I didn't expect to learn so much from creating a course <laughs> about a topic that I actually thought I knew really well. I mean, I do know it very well, but I now know it even better. Yeah. And what we're going to do as well is over the next year, I'm going to keep updating it as I learn stuff. Oh. And it will really encourage me to research and understand and, and learn as we work with clients, because we have a done-for-you service that Elisa does. So we learn when we're doing this work for other people. We learn from our own experiments. Uh, and we also learn from the agencies who come along and say, well, I've got a particular problem with a client then we help our agencies who are using the CaliCube Pro SaaS platform to, to better serve their clients, and that teaches us too. Um, and okay. if you want the course, you can go to the calicube.com website, and oh, you can actually download a free 17-step checklist. Okay. Um, hang on, I'll, 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 I'll show you that. Yeah. Because we, 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 we created that for... Um, I think it like uh, can you show were... my screen? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Can you I see think... that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You can get the free knowledge panel checklist and you can download that. And it's absolutely free. You download it um, and it gives you the 17 step yeah. process to getting a knowledge panel. And that will work for a lot of people. Um, and then if you go back here, you come to calicube.com. Um, we've got, I've got to figure out where it is now. Yep. Um, it should it should have been in here. Oh, intermediate courses, it's there. And you go to solutions.calicube.com and okay. on solutions. Oh, it's actually sorry, it's the academy, and then here, very very badly organized. We're going to have to say that. There you go, and okay. you can enroll. So solutions.calicube.com, um, and you can you can find it there. And we're going to have to create an easier path. Um, to get to here, which is uh -huh. actually the course itself. Sure, but uh, it is it will be available next week, right? Yeah, 25th of January. Okay, so yeah, five days from now, okay. Right, and seeing as I'm now showing my screen, I'm gonna show you something that yeah, you didn't ask sure. this question, but I'm gonna ask a question is, okay. do knowledge panels vary across different countries? Or are yeah. they all the same across all the different countries? 
I would say they differ. Yeah, and we're, this is how much. There you go. This is the, the visual we use oh. in KQ Pro. And you can see here, New York, Vancouver, Melbourne, London, Paris, Rome, Berlin, Ankara, Manila, Cape Town, San Francisco, Fort Worth. And you can see from these here that they vary immensely. For example, all of these have got entity homes. These don't. Oh. Um, they've all got descriptions. This one's got a subtitle. Some of the others don't. Uh, they've got some of these have got five attributes. This has only got three. This has got people also search for. This has got filter pills. This one doesn't. Oh. So you can see they vary enormously. And then here you can actually see how much they vary across the different. Um, so from what I remember, you countries. have data on more than 40,000 knowledge paths, right? Yeah, we've got 70,000 oh, entities 70. that we're tracking, but only wow. about half of them have got knowledge panels. So yes, you're right, about 40,000. But here it's interesting. You see the description comes from Google Books. Okay. And if I go to, uh, where are we? Excuse me, Turkey. I created a Turkish version. And okay. it's getting the description from my own website. In Germany, the same thing. In oh. Italy, the same thing. In French, it's Wikipedia. There's a Wikipedia page about me in French. So you can see that the, the description comes from different sources. And then here you can see the attributes. The attributes here are all the same. In France, we've still got them. But then in Italy, we don't. Germany, we don't. They've got social channels. In Italy, it doesn't. Um, it's incredibly varied. And you've got to keep really, especially if you're an international brand or you're a famous person around the world, which I'm not, uh, you need to keep track of every single country and language variation that's important to your company or to yourself as a person. And people don't do that. Major companies don't do it. We get many companies coming to us and saying, well, I'm just looking at America. And then I show them around the world and they're stunned at how much it differs and how much management they need to actually do to make sure that that information is accurate around the world. And one interesting example is the customer care number. Uh-huh. Is the customer care number will be different in the UK to the US if Google has understood it. But if it hasn't understood it, it might give the wrong customer care number in the UK. Also social channels. Okay. If I if I'm I think uh what are they called? Um Swedish clothing company. H and M. Okay, this I is think Swedish. It's H &M okay, have have different social media channels per country, and they need to make sure that Google understands which are the right ones for which country, so it can put the right social media channels in the right knowledge panel in the right country in the right language. Hugely complicated. Okay, yeah, and of course we can do that. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> Okay, okay, I think we have another question. Picasso asks, I know how to work on SEO tasks, but I don't know how to create SEO strategies. Any thoughts? Oh, so easy peasy lemon squeezy yet again. Um, creating an SEO strategy is something that I think tends to be seen as pretty complicated. But if you look at your brand SERP, if you search for your brand name and you look at the result, you can immediately see where your priorities lie. So you can look, first of all, at your homepage, you can look at the site links, you can look at what Google's showing of your site. If it's not showing rich site links for a company, then your website's badly organized. And the first thing you need to do is reorganize your website and clarify for Google 
because it wants to show rich site links, which are the blue links with the little snippets underneath your homepage when you search for your company name. If it's not doing that, you need to reorganize your website. Or you need to make it clearer for Google, maybe a sitemap, perhaps some schema markup to make it much more clear for Google. If you then go further down, you'd be looking at, for example, LinkedIn. You can look at your LinkedIn profile and say, well, I need to explain that on LinkedIn. If LinkedIn, uh, number one for informational purposes, but the second one is if, if it, Google is ranking LinkedIn, it sees LinkedIn as important for your audience and uh -huh. your business. So working on LinkedIn would be a good strategy. Then if you think, right, I'm investing a lot in video for my SEO, but you don't have video boxes on your brand yeah. set, then you need, to work on, you need to work on what you're doing with your videos. Why aren't they ranking? Why aren't they appearing? Because what Google shows on your brand set is what it thinks is interesting, helpful, and valuable for your audience. So you need to make sure that if you are investing in video and you don't have video boxes on your brand set, figure out what you're doing wrong. Are you not using schema markup? Are you not putting it in a page that's understandable to Google? Are you not actually getting in any engagement for it? Then the other one, and if we come back to SEO pure, is look at the people um, as people also search for. Uh -huh. No, sorry, people also ask. People also, also, yeah, people also ask. Start answering those questions. Those are the questions around your brand and about your brand that Google sees as important. Yeah. So you answer those questions, you start there, and you build an FAQ section. Uh, I wrote an article a few years ago for SEMrush and did a video where I explain how to do that. It's also in the brand SERP courses. So you can, you can actually just start building an FAQ, answering the questions that your users, your audience are actually interested in and build an SEO strategy from there. And that's what we're doing at, at CaliCube. And we've multiplied by six the SEO traffic we've got this year. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Really simply. And that's all we've been doing. And all of this is explained... Uh, we were talking about the Knowledge Panel course earlier on. We have a whole series of brand SERP courses, and they explain all of this. And if you don't want to think, what's my strategy? Work on your brand SERP, build from there, and you will build an SEO and even, indeed a digital marketing strategy from the brand SERP outwards. And it's what we're doing at CaliCube, and it's hugely powerful. Yeah, okay, okay, thanks. Another Sorry, question. I'm a bit over enthusiastic. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so you hinted at this earlier, but if you use Yoast and utilize a WordPress theme schema, um, you can put your socials under user profiles, same as schema and a tool like WordLift. How do you prevent uh, that conflict? Just use one tool. There are such uh, limited customizations with Yoast if you're not a developer. What is the best for a lay person? Right. Uh, it, it's a really interesting question. This is the problem of lots of different um, schema markup yeah, yeah. injections. And we've had a problem with this at CaliCube. So I uh -huh. did an experiment, as usual. And we had Yoast and WordLift. And that created enormous confusion for Google. So I removed the schema markup from Yoast. Uh -huh. And that actually just involves creating a functions file in your child theme 
and there's a little function you put in that, that basically stops this yo spitting out the schema markup. And then I just use WordLift. Okay. And but I in use the case for the rest of my SEO. Sorry. Yeah. And in the case of my site, there was a similar conflict. We just uh, turned off the setting in my theme and just left rank math schema alone, if I remember yeah. correctly. So, generally speaking, it, the best idea is to pick one and just use that. Uh huh. And yeah. um, from, I mean, the, the, the problem we had with CaliCube, it was quite interesting because. Yoast takes the name of the website. So if we've uh -huh. got a site called CaliCube Tuesdays, it says the organization is called CaliCube Tuesdays, yeah. which isn't true. CaliCube Tuesdays isn't an organization, it's an event <laughs> series. Uh -huh. So I had to actually turn Yoast off because otherwise it, it, it said that. And from that perspective, uh, as uh, I think it was Alicia said, Yoast is pretty limited. Um, I, and I think Yoast are going very much in the direction, since they were bought out by, I can't remember who in America, very much for one click and it's done, no SEO knowledge needed at all. Okay. And from that perspective, don't expect them at any time soon to give you more control or more, more, uh, more control, sorry, over what you can do with their schema markup. Um, if you're going to get geeky, go with WordLift or schema app, um, or potentially rank math as well. I don't know much about rank math. What we've done at CaliCube is we only ever inject schema markup into the entity home. That's all we're interested in. We don't do schema markup for anything else. So if you come to CaliCube, what we will do is integrate our schema markup into the schema markup that you've already got on your website. And that's hugely powerful because I think we're the only tool, we're one of the only tools or platforms who actually pay attention to this, don't make a mess, don't have multiple chunks, don't fragment, don't create duplicates. We integrate and merge our schema markup into whatever you already have, whether it's the theme, Yoast, WordLift, schema app, InLinks, uh, Rank Math. That's yeah, off so, the top of my head, the schema providers I can remember. Yeah, yeah. So all I needed to do was like, like uh, paste a piece of JavaScript code and on my yeah. entity home and yeah, and it's and, it's, it, it, and it was working. Nothing else was yeah. needed. And, and then you tell Elisa from the CaliCube Pro team, um, it's done. And then she works her magic in the CaliCube back office. Yeah, yeah. And, and we can then control it, which is how we work uh, for the done for you clients, but also the agencies, is that the CaliCube Pro interface, once, sorry, once you have that uh, JavaScript snippet installed, we can then control your schema markup in real time. And yeah. that's hugely powerful because we can keep updating with those corroborative sources we saw earlier on. Yeah. And then when I, every time you have a new corroborative source, we can add it directly to the schema without you doing anything through our yeah. own interface. And oh, ooh. that's and the, the, go powerful. Ahead. That's powerful. It, it is. That's very powerful. It goes further than that because we can also, when, as we learn how to write better and better entity descriptions, we analyze the entity description using Google's NLP. Google's NLP improves over time. So we revisit it every three months. We double check mm. that our writing is still understood and then we tweak it to make it even better understood. So we can tweak your description very slightly each time to make sure Google's getting increasingly confident in its understanding. And then the other thing we can do is as we discover new 
elements in schema markup that are hugely powerful for knowledge in Google's brain, we can add those extra bits of schema markup from the CaliCube interface so we can move you forwards as we learn how to better educate Google yeah. without you needing to do anything. That's awesome. That's really It's awesome. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So And I built it all with my own little hands. Yeah, little hands, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you are, I think, the only person on earth who is doing that. As, yeah. as far as I know, uh, CaliCube is the only company doing that. And um, I, I actually built CaliCube Pro to build knowledge panels. And it, it was aimed at building knowledge panels and brand SERPs. I built it in 2015. Oh. So it's actually seven years old. Seven years, um, yeah. And I've just been waiting for the world to wake up to knowledge panels and brand SERPs. And they the finally did. <laughs> And so it isn't to say I built it seven years ago and didn't do anything. I built it seven years ago and I've been adding to it and building it and improving it. And one thing I love about CaliCube Pro, and it really is something I'm incredibly keen on, is every time I learn something about knowledge panels, I build it into the platform. Oh, that's so the awesome. platform is basically my brain in, a, in an algorithm yeah. and a database. And every, every time I can, I will add the functionality or the extra information that I know Google is looking for. So it's yeah. this living beast, if I may say, of yeah. educating Google. It's Google's teacher. We communicate with Google through CaliCube Pro, and it really does feel like we're communicating with Google. And you can see Google from time to time. You can feel it struggling to understand, and then suddenly it goes, boo, I've got it. Yeah. I've and the knowledge panel it. appears. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. This is this is incredible. And with the course, you updated your knowledge even more. Even though I don't think it was possible to know more about knowledge panels that than you did, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and as I said, uh, over the year, and in fact, over the years to come, we'll keep updating. We're going to keep adding lessons. Um, we've already got three or four ideas for new lessons of things we've learned. Ooh. There's another question. Olga, yeah. it's a question for you, and yeah. I will ask it. Olga, do you like rank math for your schema needs? I have it on a dormant site, but Yoast on my primary, considering making a switch. So, Olga. yeah, so I prefer rank math. I I used to, used to use Yoast, but then I learned about rank math. I switched to rank math, and I think for me, it is like a better plugin for, for my needs, and... Uh, If in the in the free version, I think you have a lot more possibilities, a lot of a lot more customizations, and in the premium versions, you, you version you have like you can really add a lot of different types of schema. But even in the free one, you have like the basics covered. So, and if you turn uh, other types of schema from other plugins or your theme, you should have like pretty basic pretty okay setup but you you have to always like validate it use, using the schema app to make sure that it's really doing what it should be doing but but yeah i i i, I recommend rank math right and i think kind of one one thing is people often think if i click on the button it's all set up yeah and they don't double check double checking it using and i would advise using the schema.org validator because yeah. that validates your schema markup whereas the google tool 
validate schema markup for rich elements and rich snippets in Google SERPs, which is a distinction that's really important. Google are only validating whether or not your schema markup will provide additional functionality yeah. in Google SERPs. And the schema one validates whether the schema markup is valid or not. Which are two yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point, yeah. And really important when we're talking about knowledge and knowledge panels, it's the schema validator, schema.org validator that's important because Google's doesn't validate anything to do with the schema that's going to help with knowledge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great point. Okay, so I have like a final question. Ooh, the last question. So what types of schema do you recommend adding for a noob to, to get a knowledge panel to educate Google more? Like organization, like web page, there are like so many of them. What should I start with? Right, well, for a knowledge panel, you need to think about what entity you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then you need to think, this is an entity home. I've got, I've got to find one page on my, my website that about page probably. This entity. Well, if it's a company, it's your about page. If it's a person, it's the about page on the person's website, but it could potentially be the about page of the person on the company's website. Okay. Okay. If it's a music group, for example, I have a web page about my music group on my own personal website. That's the entity home. It's an, a page about the music group. So okay. you, you can have multiple entity homes on one single website if you're describing multiple entities on that website. A product could have an entity home on a company website. No problem. Yeah. So okay. it's a, a page about the product on the company website. That makes sense as an entity home. And then you need to say, right, this is a web page. More specifically, it's an about page. So you would use the about page type. Then you would put about organization, okay. then the company name and the rest of it, or about page, entity type, then about person, then the information about the person. So I would suggest don't make the, and a lot of these plugins say, well, this, this page is a person. That's not true. Yeah. It's a page, a web page, an about page about a person. That's the entity home trick. That's what we do with CaliCube. And sometimes we have trouble actually installing the code and merging it properly because of the way other plugins work. So we, but we, we always manage it. But we're saying this is an about page. The subject of this about page is this person. Then we describe the person. Okay. And, and what so that, that's where you start. Okay. Okay. So you just start, you just focus on the about page or entity home, right? But yeah. in those plugins like Rank Math, you have like schema settings, something like that, and then you have the you can you can for example set yourself to be organization or person. Mm. You can like put your uh, address, phone number, stuff like that, and a lot of people just put all they know there. And so what do you think about it? Because probably it will be uh, I think replicated on all pages of the site in mo most cases. What are your well, thoughts on that? Should we right. be putting that information there or just leaving it and just focusing on about page? It, it depends how the plugin builds it. Because if it says this web page is about, I don't know, um, it's about plums. Yeah. <laughs> and the publisher is this company and the author is this person. That's mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant. 
But if it says on every single page, this page is an organization or this yeah. page is about an organization, that's absolutely terrible and yeah. very, very bad news for Google. You need one dedicated single page that's about the company, the person, the yeah. product. And that's the entity home. And that's where we focus in CaliCube Pro. So that's where we stop. In, in fact, in CaliCube, for all the work we do, that's where we kind of stop. Um, so just be really careful about how you fill in all that stuff and make sure that your plugin isn't pushing this data out onto every single page. Yeah. Because if you say every page is about you, none of the pages <laughs> are about you. Exactly. Um, focus on the about page for knowledge panels and you're, you're, you're swimming. And a lot of the time we end up deactivating that part of plugins mm -hmm. for our clients simply to reduce confusion. We had a, a client called Scott Duffy. He had exactly this problem. We deactivated all of that. We focused on the about page, sorted it out. He had a, a, a terrible knowledge panel problem. Somebody else had his knowledge panel and oh. then it had the wrong information and then it had the wrong books. And we oh. just brought it down to the minimum. We said, Google focus here. We sorted it out and then we expanded the, the schema markup back out again and we're all fine. So sometimes oh. it's a really good idea to remove everything, simplify, and then build out. And for that, you just need to be patient. Okay. And I think we have the final question. While trying to add social profiles to about page using schema, is it okay to use same as? It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's exactly what you should do. Uh, use same as. I, I mean, at CaliCube, we use URL for the entity home and same as for all of the different uh, profile pages uh -huh. that are about the same entity. You need to be really careful with same as only to include pages that are dedicated to that entity and that are accurate. You don't want to point Google to something that contradicts what you're saying on the entity home. Uh -huh. Because if you do that, you're explicitly saying this information is about this entity and you're implicitly saying it's correct. So you would only add the same as once you've corrected the information on that platform. Okay. And is it okay if I put same as on my homepage uh, to Wikipedia page about SEO? <laughs> no, because it's not the same as SEO. And, and that, that, it's a really good point. And it's really conceptually difficult for all of us yeah. to understand what an entity is and what we're representing because for example, your homepage would be about SEO, potentially, yeah. or it would mention SEO. Yeah. It isn't SEO, SEO in and of itself. Yeah. But if you had a page that defines SEO, then you could add the Wikipedia okay. same as saying this, this page is the same as that page on Wikipedia, which is SEO. That's how InLinks works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say yeah. about or mentions. So theoretically you're supposed to i believe within links is have this page is about one topic and then it mentions lots of other topics and those topics are identified using same as pointing to the wikipedia page yeah I've, i have recently uh, interviewed uh, dixon jones and he he has been sharing those things as well and yeah, right, okay. the the episode will soon be live so yeah i think he, he will like talk about those points as well Right. Okay. So it looks so, like I understood how InLinks functions. So, yeah, yeah. So for me, and I think that's really interesting, is InLinks functions on the idea of saying this page is about a topic. 
this topic pointing at Wikipedia, and it mentions these other topics pointing at Wikipedia. So it's very topic-based. And if you look at something like WordLift, it's building a knowledge graph within the website itself. And it still represents, uh, sorry, it still references Wikipedia. But the aim of WordLift is to say, I'm going to build an entire knowledge graph of the, the, the content of this um, website. And we work with WordLift a great deal because we do what we call the cornerstone entities. So uh -huh. the cornerstone entities are the company, the author, the CEO, the founder, and we create a place in Google's knowledge graph for each of those cornerstone entities. And then WordLift build a, a knowledge graph on top of that, and then we can transpose the entire knowledge graph into Google's knowledge graph oh. using the four cornerstone entities we just created with CaliCube. And that makes for very, very, very powerful entity SEO strategy. Wow, nice. Okay, mm. so any final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely delightful. Thank you so much, Olga. Yeah. I, I love talking about this. And I sometimes at the end of it think that I must be so boring. No, you're definitely not boring. And I always learn so much. And I really hope right. to catch up soon again with some update. Right, yeah. What's going you, on? You could, you could have a chat with my daughter about that because when I talk about this, she just walks out of the room. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Okay, so thank you, everyone. Uh, it was like very delight delightful and uh, and I hope we will, will we will catch up maybe next month in February and do another follow-up Q&A with Jason. Brilliant. It would be absolutely delightful. And we definitely need to do one when we've got your knowledge panel. First yeah, yeah, yeah. And walk everyone through like the process of what you did, what I what I did, what I didn't do, because, yeah, we are working, I think, on a case study yeah. for, for that. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that would be a lot of fun. And I would yeah. love to do that. Thank you, Olga. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. For watching Thank you, everyone. And bye bye. See you soon.